This is the Anglican Perspective Podcast with Canons Phil Ashey and Mark Eldridge of the American Anglican Council. Join us for an in-depth look at building up and defending Great Commission Anglicanism throughout the world by developing faithful leaders, equipping local congregations, and always reforming the church. You can find out more about how we can help you and your churches thrive by visiting www.americananglican.org. Here now is Canon Phil and Canon Mark. Welcome to your Anglican Perspective. Well, hello, and welcome to this special edition of the Anglican Perspective podcast. I'm Canon Mark Eldridge, uh, working with uh, Canon Phil Ashey, the American Anglican Council. And um, I just want to welcome you to this podcast. We're so glad you joined us. And I said a special edition because in this podcast, I'm going to be talking to Canon Phil about this release of the Daniel Declaration, a call to mission and a place to stand. And so some of you might not have any idea what that's about, and we want to tell you about that. And, and hopefully you'll hear more about that in the, the weeks and months to come. So um, so anyway, I'm here with Ken and Phil. So Ken and Phil, uh, good to be with you again on this podcast. Yeah, it's great to be with you, Mark, as always. Thank you for, for being here and being, being with me to go through this, uh, this Daniel Declaration. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. I as you know, if if you listen to this podcast before, I, I kind of spun off and started another podcast more on the revitalization issues, and so I haven't been on this one, but I, I've been in behind the scenes working with Ken and Phil on this Daniel Declaration, yes. and so anyway, I'm excited to be here with you as well. So let's just jump into it. So for those listeners out there who have no idea what we're talking about, uh, Ken and Phil, would you just kind of tell us what the Daniel Declaration? is and why we are putting this out now. Yeah. So thank you, Mark. So uh, for those of you who are in our listening audience, thank you uh, so much. And uh, on uh, this date of this podcast, April uh, 26th, uh, we have released in our weekly update, a document called the, the Daniel Declaration, a call to mission, a place to stand. And it is a restatement of the original confession of faith that the American Anglican Council put out. I think it was in uh, uh, 1997, shortly after we were formed. And before the Jerusalem Statement and Jerusalem Declaration 2008, a place to stand was kind of the rallying place for those biblically faithful um, Episcopalians who are wanting to differentiate themselves from false teaching in the Episcopal Church. And it went so far, Mark, I can remember uh, when I first started at the AAC um, that, you know, people would call us up when they were on vacation. Uh, and there were congregations that had signed uh, a place to stand. And that was sort of the the house of uh, the the good housekeeping seal of approval for Anglicans who are on vacation to know this is a church that's that's listed by the AAC as having signed this uh, this uh, declaration, a place to stand. Well, that's we great. we we called it then a place to stand, a call to mission. We reversed it because we now live in a culture where though times are different, the same issues are in play, and and we have to find a way to strongly engage our culture with the good news of Jesus and his transforming love, but on the basis of solid biblical teaching and mm -hmm. not on the basis of teaching, which has become compromised or adjusted to fit the culture. That's good. Yeah. I, I remember uh, being in seminary between 1997 and 2000 and, uh, and somewhere in there, the place to stand document was, 
being circulated. And as a young seminarian, I remember, I think I paid my $25 fee or something and signed that document because I just, I wanted to have a place, I wanted to have a place to stand and said, this is, this is what I believe. And um, so I just remembered it being formative for me in those early years as well. But so, um, so thank you for that. So it's, it's, it's kind of bringing that um, place to stand document declaration up to the current situation. But well, as I mentioned, it's called the Daniel declaration. And so why, why, uh, I know mean, it was, it was your, really your idea, Phil, but why did you want to call it the Daniel declaration as opposed to something else or some other name or what, what's it about Daniel? That's so important. Well, you know, uh, Mark, I, I think we're living in an age that's closer to Babylon than Jerusalem. I think we can that's all agree. Certainly true. Yeah. 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 And so immediately my mind went to Daniel, but I'd also um, just read a wonderful book by Rod Dreher called The Benedict Option, which has mm-hmm. such wonderful, um, wonderful words to say about how the church needs to recover the kind of Benedictine order and community and orthodoxy uh, that rescued the church from the dark ages. But I, I got to thinking, you know, that there, there are, I would say 99% of what I read in the Benedict Option, I agree with, but there's such an emphasis on stepping back from the culture mm-hmm. that I thought by contrast of Daniel, who of whom the very first commentary by a church father was ever written, Hippolytus wrote a, a biblical commentary in the midst of a pagan culture that was persecuting yep. Christians, he wrote about Daniel. And, and you got to ask, well, why? Well, well, because Daniel is, uh, was then and remains for us today a model of what it means to be a leader who is humble, mm-hmm. but who is biblically faithful, who, who draws the line. Uh, we see this in chapter one you know, where he draws the line of the king's table and says, no, we can, we can be trained in all the, the, the goodness of the culture around us and the king's court, but we're not going to eat non-kosher food. We just Mm -hmm. won't. But, you know, Daniel doesn't, doesn't start a riot or, you know, throw tear gas into the king's court. He goes very respectfully to the eunuch and says, I have a deal for you. Let us operate on the rules that we operate as Jews. Let us observe this, uh, this diet and see if we are not better at the end. Mm-hmm. And by golly, it says that they were at the end of the chapter says they were, they were 10 times better uh, than anybody else who ate non-kosher, you know, non-kosher food. Oh, yeah. and, and, and so so you think of Daniel as someone who is just fit for our time, someone, you know, who's biblically faithful, who's courageous, who's resilient, who's 10 times better. That's the kind of Christians I think we need to be in the culture in which we live. Mm-hmm. And not be afraid about our biblical worldview and the the, Christ, the truths that God's given us in the word that we know stand the test of time, which we know are, are good and, and better, not, you know, not in a, you know, a judgy way so much. It's just good yeah. what the Lord said. And so we, we, we can be firm and, and clear about what the Bible has said and why we believe God's way is, 
It's good. And, and let that stand for, 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 uh, for itself. Anyway, yeah. but that, that, that's really great. I, I think that's, um, that's really great uh, to use Daniel for that. And his character was so strong. Yeah. And you, if you think about, you know, Daniel and the lion's den, you know, mm-hmm. chapter six. Okay. So, so there, there, there was something so consistent, so much integrity and consistency in Daniel's life. Okay. He prayed three times a day. Okay. He set his mm-hmm. face to Jerusalem. And so his enemies got this law passed that you can't, you can't do that. Right. But, but Daniel was, su- had such consistency despite what the culture was doing, that they were actually able uh, to get him arrested because they they knew they could predict this guy was going to follow through. This is what he was going to do. And Daniel yeah. trusted the Lord. And we know the rest of the story, he rescued him out of the lion's den. And, and uh, you know, as a result of his example, the, you know, belief in Yahweh spread throughout the empire. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Kind, so, Yeah. Yeah. His strong stance for the for the word or for the what mm-hmm. what God said actually was missional led to mission. So it's right. it's, it's kind of both and, uh, which That's is right. which is great. I know sometimes people can say, "Oh, we need to be missional," or "No, we need to stand for the truth." But as we've talked about on this podcast before, you, you can be both uh, totally committed to the truth of God's word and be uh, totally committed to the mission uh, uh, to the lost. So That's right. to the culture transforming. That's right. Well, great. Yeah. And um, uh, uh, well, so yeah, Dan- Daniel's just great. So thank you for kind of fleshing that out. And, and uh, as people get this document and and read it and watch, you know, see the video that you're going to release kind of talking about that, hopefully they can find that on our website, AmericanAnglican.org to see a little video that Phil's made to kind of talk about this as well. But just, just let's keep that Daniel, Daniel uh, image in our minds as we engage the culture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know, you know, I've also heard people say, and, and particularly younger leaders say, why another statement I need to sign? Isn't this just mm-hmm. another shot in the dark that's that's not going to really make a big difference at all? It's just a tempest in a teapot, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and Mark, you, you've been, you and I have been working on this and and our goal is not to have, to make a tempest in a teapot or to just come up with another restatement of the faith as necessary as i believe that is in our church today but but what's tell us a little bit about what what is the end goal that we've we've thought about you know that that makes this declaration so important well yeah i mean so we again the last thing that we want to be about is just, okay, another statement, another declaration, okay, that goes out, then nothing happens with it. That would be a waste of all of our times. Uh, so so in our minds, what we're hoping to do is to see is is we're going to, among other things, we're going to have this Daniel declaration. Uh, we're going to tur- turn it into a kind of a catechetical form so that so that people could take the take this declaration break it apart. I know you're working on some videos that people can watch with questions. Right. Um, and so that people can take this and, and actually talk about it, dig into what is it, what is our biblical worldview and how can we talk to those who both outside the church and inside the church that uh, might be influenced too much by the uh, secular 
worldview. And anyway, so so turn, you know, let it be a teaching tool, not just another statement. Um, and also, we're working on a conference that we um, are going to do. The first one's going to be in Chatt- Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, in uh, early September. Uh, but we hope to do uh, several conferences around the country. Uh, right. Hopefully, there's rectors listening to this now that might be inspired and say, once you hear about this, say, I want to host that at my church. Reach out to us if you do. Uh, at any rate, the it's, the conference is going to be. How, it's not just about the Daniel Declaration, but it's really dealing with the the issues in the culture and and uh, biblical anthropology and just recognizing that that you know the starting point you know for so many of the problems that we have in our culture and like you can't even define what a woman is or all those things that we're so frustrated with. Um, it's the proper starting point is to recognize that God, we are created in God's image and God is the creator of all that is. And God, and and we, the starting point is God created human beings and God created the world. And so, so anyway, we want to, we want to have this conference that really highlights and gives praise to God and glory to God for, for who he is and the good and beautiful truth that is God and his creation and us and the way he set it forth and then compare his his um, truth to what the secular world is saying, and and in places where that secular worldview is creeping into the church, we can say, well, here's how that's con- that contradicts and doesn't stack up as well as what the truth is and what the biblical world is. And I don't know if I'm making sense, but we really want to kind of right. communicate that the, the conference, Phil, you don't even know this yet. Some breaking news right here on this podcast, but the team that's working on it, we're 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 there may be some fine final touches, but we're pretty sure we're going to call the conference formed formed uh, from the idea that we're, we're, we're formed in the image of God. That's the starting point. Uh, But also that we want to form uh, and transform and inform people who come to the conference with the biblical worldview and, and, and kind of the the tagline of the, that we're working on is, is to embolden those afraid to speak. You know, so there's people out there listening, lay people in the church, clergy, even like I've got these people in the culture or even in my church that are kind of, um, for lack of a better term, embracing these woke ideas. And I just um, I don't know how to say and if I say something to to them, then I'm immediately accused of being a, you know, racist or a, a transphobic or whatever it is. And so we want to embolden those afraid to speak up to say you can speak up and you should like Daniel. Uh, winsomely and, and lovingly, but you can't speak up because what we have in the word of God is better. But on, but also, so embolden those who want, who are afraid to speak and equip those ready to speak. So for those who are like, I want to embrace the culture. I want to be on mission. I want to, I want to go and talk to people. I want to defend this within the church. How do I do that? And what are ways in which I can stand up for, for the biblical worldview in a loving way in our current? So, so anyway, I'm, ramming a little bit, but that's what I do <laughs> for those who hear me. But um, but anyway, so that's this conference is going to roll out. And I think it's going to be really great for both emboldening and equipping, forming uh, people to deal with the current challenges we face in our culture. Sure. And, you know, Mark, I was just um, emailing with a friend who went to a very high level political conference um, that many, many Christians were at. And basically, the speaker is a, a I, I won't mention the speaker's name, but is someone who's well known in national politics, basically said, you know, politics just doesn't have the answer because mm-hmm. the problem 
is the brokenness in people's hearts. It's what Dallas Dallas Willard calls the, you know, the fact that that we all of us, wherever we are in the spectrum, we we all have sin. We all have ruined hearts. Mm -hmm. And the the heart of this Daniel declaration is right in uh, our statement in the gospel and the triune God, where we talk about what people have called the four chapter gospel, the meta narrative, mm-hmm. you know, in this post-Christian culture in which we live, the prevailing meta narrative, if you will, of our culture is you can't have a meta narrative because there's right. no unifying story because there's seven and a half billion people in the world today, each with their own um, unique worldview. Therefore, there's no truth. There's no moral anchor. There's no moral compass. The only thing that matters is power and influence. And life is going to be short, nasty, and brutish, as Hobbes talked about back in Leviathan, because we're all going to be competing for power. Someone's got to be on top. Someone's going to be on bottom. And that's what life is about. Well, what a terrible thing to have to live with. I mean, that's the, that's essentially the prevailing worldview, but the worldview of the Bible is God's good creation, which we rejoice in. Right. And then as we say, we acknowledge that we as humanity and individually have rebelled and broken our relationship with God. There's the fall. But next sentence, we rejoice in the grace of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who's forgiven our sins, granted us redemption in Jesus Christ. Chapter three, the redemption, Mm -hmm. the rescue operation that God did, and then the restoration, where we say we rejoice in our salvation, which will ultimately include the restoration of God's original creation and the extension of his rule and reign as the fulfillment of his kingdom purposes. Love what Dallas Willard says, you know, that, that what, what does that look like? Well, it's yeah, the kingdom of God exists wherever what God wants done is done. Mm. And, oh my goodness. What would it be like for that to take place everywhere? Well, that's, we know that's, we know the end of the story, right? We know the book right. of Revelation. We know the, the, the lamb and the throne and the marriage supper of the lamb and all the things we're going to be reading about in the rest of this Easter season. But but this conference that you've described is is built around those four chapters. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and so we're we're wanting to say to people out of this declaration, this is the gospel. Mm-hmm. And yes, it has contemporary implications, which we spell out on Christian mission and the uniqueness of Jesus, our relationship both prophetically and uh, in obedience to government, the sanctity of life, uh, generous welcome, uh, marriage, family, and single life, and human sexuality. We, we take these same issues that were alive in 1997 and are still there, though time and we address those things on the basis of that incredible meta narrative that we have to share the good news. That's great. Well, Phil, um, just I'm I'm anticipating, I'm thinking about as this Daniel Declaration, a call to mission, a place to stand rolls out and people start getting it and reading it and hearing about it. um, I'm anticipating there may be some pushback or people who think we're, why are we, again, why are we doing this and waste of time? And, and I have, I know for a fact, some who people in the ACNA who've come into the ACNA who weren't a part of the Episcopal church and 
leaving the Episcopal Church have accused at times um, people like us of having uh, PTSD. Basically, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, you guys left the Episcopal Church. You can't stop fighting old battles. You're you're just caught in the past and old culture warriors. And but this idea, you, you just have PTSD from the Episcopal Church. So we're we're looking for problems everywhere, and and, and we just tend to kind of need to move on and and just focus on you know mission and whatever else. But but this idea that oh, you guys just have PTSD. What what would you say to that? If that comes up or if people hear this and someone comments to you about this, as there are listeners saying, oh, it's just AAC, those guys, just PTSD. I don't know. What, what is your thought to that? Yeah, I, I, I know. I've, I've received that criticism personally. And so, so here's the thing. Um, in his wonderful book on the history of conciliarism, Paul Valliere uh, makes this point. He says that heresy always um, comes out of a pastoral desire of the church to pastorally accommodate some hurt in the culture. Hmm. And invariably, that pastoral accommodation results in an adjustment of biblical teaching. In other words, we, we, we err on the side of saying, well, let's just love and not worry about what we actually believe, or let's not say the things that are difficult to hear. Now, case in point, is nothing that 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 has to do with the Episcopal Church. It has to do with our own tribe. Right. It's the pushback, the surprising pushback that came to the ACNA College of Bishops statement, pastoral statement on human identity and sexuality. Yeah. Where they they address this issue. Well, why can't we call ourselves gay Christians? When I remember reading that, Phil, and I was like, oh my gosh, they've going, they're going way out of their way, like above and beyond to be pastoral here. I mean, like, because it, it was such a clear statement to me, it's like, yeah, no brainer, but they were like, so clear trying to be so, and that was still the pushback yeah. they got. It was amazing to me, but go ahead. Yeah. And, and see, um, this is where, where people were saying, well, now we ought to be able to identify ourselves as gay Christians, because this is who God made us to be. That's it. It's a good thing end of story. And what what people didn't dig down to is that in as Anglicans in our 39 articles, which are still a living document, you know, we, we <laughs> the reformer said uh, this thing about concupiscence, you know, concupiscence is the very existence of, of things that are wrong. That, that are contrary to scripture, including the, the, the thoughts about those things. And, uh, and, and basically, uh, what, what people were saying is, you know, concupiscent, that third net articles are wrong, that the concupiscence mm. is not a problem at all. Well, this is a, a watering down of the whole idea of the ruination of our hearts and mm. our fundamental brokenness. And it doesn't matter whether it has to do with with sexuality or food or any other habit or or hurt or ha- you know uh, or hang up that we have, you know, uh, uh, this is something we have to acknowledge. And if we don't get the diagnosis right, the prescription is always going to be off. And as a good friend of mine said, you know, if you leave Los Angeles on a boat. 
heading for Hawaii, and you are one degree off course. You will miss the Hawaiian Islands by 400 miles. You won't yeah. even see them. So, so this is why, why mission and doctrine always go together. And whether we're talking about the Daniel Declaration here or the Cairo Covenant, you know, that we were so involved in for mm -hmm. this new expression of communion within the communion. Mission and doctrine must go together. Mission without doctrine will be aimless and will not lead people to Jesus. Uh, doctrine without mission will be cold and dead and won't lead anybody to Jesus because we'll just turn inward. It's uh, the purpose of this declaration and the conference that follows and the the teaching videos is to reconnect mission with doctrine. Well, that's great, Kenneth Phil. I, I, I think we're we're about out of time, so I don't know that I'd I even want to ask any more questions because I think that that summed it up very well for our listeners, I believe. So, uh, well, let me just say this as we close: if you're you know, hearing this, we want to encourage you if you haven't already received the. Daniel Declaration in our, our weekly update that the AAC sends out. We uh, Please go to our website at uh, AmericanAnglican.org. You can sign up there for our weekly updates and uh, that'll come in the in your in your inbox or uh, you can read it on our website. Um, you can watch the videos that Phil um, is already putting out and they'll continue to come out. So we encourage you to get your hands on this document and um, read it. And we'd love to hear your feedback. Let us know what you think about, about this. And uh, so you can email email us our, our, our website our emails are on the website so um look forward to engaging with you all uh, on this and, and engaging our culture and uh working together side by side to build up and defend great commission anglicanism in our time any last words can phil yeah um we'd encourage you if you you'll notice there's an invitation to stand with us you don't have to write us a letter or send us 25 dollars to, to get a certificate or anything if this seems good to you make a resolution at your vestry meeting you know mm -hmm. that this is what we believe or at your diocesan synod or or uh post this on your social media or on your own website and say this is what this church believes too and, and let us know. That's great. Well, God bless you all. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you on our next uh, Anglican Perspective podcast. Thank you. God bless you. You've been listening to your Anglican Perspective with Canon Phil and Canon Mark of the American Anglican Council. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it so that biblically faithful and orthodox Anglicans can stay connected to the latest news, updates, and inspirations from around the world.